All right. If you want to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. We'll go to the Lord in prayer after we read the Scriptures this morning. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 15. We're actually going to go into chapter 4 all the way to verse 13 of chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on, preacher. Alright, here we go. As it is said, today... Say that one more time. As it is said, today, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom He has provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those to who, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of what? Unbelief. All right, now let's go over to chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It says, Therefore... While the promise of entering His rest still stands for you today, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just like it did to them, but the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as He has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again He appoints a certain day, saying, Today, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give 
an account. You can be seated. Today I want to talk to you from the subject, Strive to Hear and Strive to Believe the Word of God. Now what does it mean to strive? The word strive literally means to wrestle with, to fight with, to put forth great effort in order to accomplish this. And this is the warning that we get from the Word of God this morning. We're going to just walk through what the Word of God has to say to us this morning. And I want to talk to you from the first part where we started of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. It says, as it is said, let me get back to that where you'll be with me. It says, as it is said, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So the first thing we see is that there is an opportunity today for you to not fall into the same kind of rebellion that the ones that He is giving us an example of fell into. So who is He talking about here? So in verse 16 He says, For who were those who heard the word, and yet they rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? Was it not with whom he, and with whom he was provoked for forty years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Here we see an example that he takes us back to and he wants to show us a warning so that today you don't fall into the same example as he gives you here. The example he gives you are the people that um, Moses led out of Egypt. Some of you should remember if you know your Bible history that God's people landed in Egypt for 400 years they were under great slavery. They were under great oppression. They cried out to God. God sent a deliverer in the form of Moses. And Moses, through the power of God, led the people through great signs and miracles out of Egypt. The Egyptians were all destroyed. And then they get into this wilderness journey. And they're walking through this wilderness and they get to the edge of the promised land. And you might remember that God had promised them, I'm going to give you this land as an inheritance. You will, you will possess this land. I will cause you to possess this land. I am going to be with you. There is no enemy that will be too great for you. You will face obstacles. You will fight for this land. But you will conquer through my power. Those were the promises that God was giving to His people. But then all of a sudden, they get to the edge of the promised land and they send 12 spies out to spy out this land. And in Numbers chapter 13, verse 18, we see a little glimpse of what happened. It says, we're sending 10, 12 spies out to see what the land is, to see whether the people who dwelt in it are strong or weak. Now first off, in my opinion, this should never have happened to begin with. If God told you that this land is a great land filled with 
milk and honey and fruit and everything that you could possibly want, if God tells you that the people in it you're going to conquer, then it really don't matter if they're weak or they're strong because the battle is not yours. Whether they are few or many should not matter. And whether the land in they dwell in is good or bad, or whether the cities that they dwell in and camps are camps or strongholds, in other words, is it just a camp with a few tents, or is it cities with big walls that we're going to have to penetrate? Here's the thing, you're missing the point. God said you will possess this land. And if God said it, then does anything else matter? But yet, what do we do? Our eyes get fixed on human obstacles, correct? And we look at this thing according to our own strength and our own ability or according to our own desires. And then because of that, we take our focus off the promise of God. We take our faith and our trust away from God. And instead, we go our own way. We fall into unbelief. It says, um, now the time of the season of the first ripe, now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen to Rehob near uh, Lebo Hamath, I believe is how you pronounce that. They went up into Negeb and came to Hebron. Um, good, gracious alive. I should have read these names before I came in here. Nick, Nick, can you help me out here? <clears throat> Nick, Nick would say, and Jimmy John and Bobby Joe, and um, that's the way Nick would call it. But these were the Hebrew names and the, 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 uh, the um, crazy names. Anyway, the descendants of Anak, or in other words, the giants were in this land. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, and they came to the valley of Eskol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two of them. One cluster of grapes. They carried on a pole between two of them. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. So They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs, and that place was called the Valley of Eskel because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. But what do you think happened whenever they returned from spying out the land? It says, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Now was that necessarily a lie? We are not able to go up against these people. These people are giants. We are little bitty people. But they're still missing the point. And the point was the promise of God. So, the, so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we had gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. They're giants. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves, listen, and we seemed to ourselves like, and we seemed to ourselves like, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. 
That's an amazing thing. And not only that, but so we seem to them. You know, here's the thing about it. The things that we have to face and the things that we have to conquer to become and to inherit all the things that God has promised us that we're going to inherit, yes, we are like grasshoppers in and of ourselves. And yes, when Satan and his people look at us, guess what? We look like grasshoppers to them. All these things that they have stated are absolutely true. But again, here is the problem. Unbelief in the promise of God. It was never about what you were. Or it was never about what they saw you to be. It was about God said, I am going to do this for all those who trust Me. And yet, Instead, they're going another direction with this thing. But there were two people who decided to go a different direction. Two of the twelve spies, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes when they heard this. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy out, it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and He will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread to us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So here we see that two people fell into a belief of Here's what God said. But the majority of the congregation, it says, then all the congregation in Numbers chapter 14 verse 1, I'm backing up a little bit, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, oh, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, now listen, you've got to pay attention to this because God's fixing to relate this to your wilderness journey today. He's fixing to relate this to the land that He's trying to bring you into today. And He don't want you to make the same mistakes that they have made. So there will be a time in your life that you face a giant or you face an enemy that is so big in your life that you look at it and you go, you know what, I'd have just been better off just dying back there in my sin. I'd have just been better off if I had never followed God into this thing. I had, I'd have been better off if I had never left what I knew and where I was at. If I had just kept chasing after my own life. If only we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness even. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You know, the problem with this right here is the fact that they refused to believe that what God said, God was going to do. It was not about your strength. It was not about your ability. It was not about the things that you were able to do because you are not able to defeat this enemy. But the battle 
is not yours. And God never said it would, would be. It would be. So in Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? You know, God's a long-suffering God. You know that, right? But there will come a point that He will look at your disbelief and He will look at your refusal to follow Him in obedience. There will come a point to where He'll say, You know what? They ain't coming into my rest. They're not coming into my land. They do not believe. They will not believe. They will not follow me. And they will not enter into my rest. Now that should be a scary thing. Because if you don't enter into God's rest, you know where you go? How long will these people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of in spite of all the signs that I have done among them. And then finally, I'll read you one last scripture from this story before we go back to Hebrews. In uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 28, he says, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. You remember when they said our wives and our children will become a prey and it would have been better if we had died in this wilderness? Well, guess what? God said, okay. You don't want to follow me? You don't want to trust me? Okay. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upper. Now I need to apologize to you for something because I have taught something wrong because I failed to see this scripture right here. I used to teach you that there were only two of the original wilderness journey people that left Egypt that actually entered in the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Now out of the spies that were sent, that's absolutely correct. But according to this right here, it says, Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and of all your number listed in the census, in other words, the census that was taken, when you go back to Numbers chapter 1, you can read the census, listed in the census from 20 years old and upward. Now let me explain why. If you were to go back to Numbers chapter 1, I think it's somewhere around verse 3. I may have put that in there. Hold on. I didn't. If you were to go back to Numbers chapter 1 and look at, look at verse 3, you would see that when the census was taken, God said, any male that is 20 years and older, number them for men of war, so that when we go into this land, they are going to fight the battle for us. So here's the reason why God said, anybody under 20, I'm letting them come in. Because the only ones that refused to enter were the ones that refused to fight. They said, we are not able to conquer this enemy. And so God only addressed the ones who approached Him in disbelief. The ones who were under 20, apparently, they didn't have anything to say because they weren't going in to fight anyway. The ones over 20 were. So anybody under 20, they're still going into this promised land. And then He says... Um, he says, your dead body shall fall in this wilderness and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land where I swore. And here's the key. Remember, God swore to you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring you into this land. I'm going to conquer your enemies. 
God says, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephna, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones who you said would become a prey, I'll bring them in. I'll bring them in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. Now this is one of many scriptures of reason why I believe in what the uh, doctrine is called uh, the age of accountability. Many people have asked the question, what happens to babies when they die? Or what happens to children when, when they die? Well, 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 here's one thing that you need to understand. When it comes to coming into God's rest, He says very plainly, your little ones, and then when you go back to Deuteronomy and you go back to uh, uh, some other Scriptures and Numbers, He actually says they didn't know the difference between right and wrong. He says they didn't know the, the, the difference in believing and unbelieving. They were just little ones. And he says, so your little ones who you said would become a prey, I'm bringing them in. I believe they are covered by the grace of God. Just like we see in one example of many here. Again, there are many other examples, especially when you go back to Deuteronomy. But your little ones who you said would become a prey, I will bring them in and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years and shall suffer for your faithfulness, for faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, which was forty days, forty days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity. Forty years and you shall know my displeasure. So now you get an explanation of why there were forty years in this wilderness journey. Forty years you shall know my displeasure. I the Lord have spoken. Surely this will I do to, the, to this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall come to a full end and there they shall die. So now go back with me to Hebrews chapter 3, and let's read in verse 15 one more time. As it is said, today, today, now this was spoken after the wilderness journey. This was spoken from the Psalms. So he says, as it is said, today, if you hear His voice, in other words, if you hear what His Word says to you, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was He provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned and whose bodies fell in the wilderness? So now you know the background of where He's coming from, right? And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those who were disobedient? Why were they disobedient? Because they knew the Word of God. They knew what He said. But then when it come time to do it, you know what they did? They said, I can't do that. That's too hard for me. That's too tough for me. And they're right. They couldn't. But here's the thing about it. God never said they had to. Now let's bring this out to your level today. God has called you into a promised land. And He's promised you that He is going to give you a new heart and a new mind He's going to write His laws on your heart. He's going to write His laws on your mind. And He is going to cause you to inherit this land. You know what your part in that is? Believe. You believe God. And you know what happens when you believe God? 
You're obedient. If you don't believe God, then you do like these who rebelled in the wilderness. You're disobedient. And notice I can prove it to you. Look at the very next verse of chapter chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of what? In other words, the evidence that they did not believe God was the fact that they didn't follow God. And now, go over with me to chapter 4 because the author wants to make sure that we don't just stop there. The very next verse says, therefore. What does that word therefore do? It connects you to the last statement, correct? Therefore, because we have this example of disobedience, because we have this example of unbelief, because there were some who were called by God, who were promised by God, who heard the good news from God, they even walked with the church, guys. Listen to me carefully, please. I'm not trying to be some hollering preacher and somebody who just up here acting like I'm all mad. I ain't mad at you. But I want you to hear the Word of God so bad this morning because this is so important. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, there's still a chance for you today. There's still a promise for you to get into the rest of God. But listen, everybody ain't coming. Everybody ain't getting in. And the example you just come from was a wilderness full of Christians, God followers, all the way through the wilderness. And he says, therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands for you today, let us do what? In other words, this is a scary thing, and it should scare you. You should fear. Now that fear should lead you to the truth of God, which wipes out all fear, because perfect love of God casts out fear. But he says, therefore, while entering the promise of His rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And then he goes next, he says, For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. In other words, everybody in that place heard the promise of God. Just like you. How many Sundays have you come in here and sit and heard the gospel preached? How many times have you heard the Word of God spoken to you? But how much obedience has it actually led you to in your life? Because if you're hearing the Word of God, then there should be something taking place in your life. It may not be much and it may be slow and you may still struggle with things like your mouth and struggle with other areas. I understand all that. But there ought to be a progress of growth in your life. Of something, somewhere. And so he says... The good news came to us just like it did to them. They hear the same word that I hear every Sunday, but there's a difference. I'm not walking this path, and they are. What's wrong? Well, the good news came to us just like it did to them, but the message they heard what? It, it, didn't, it didn't benefit them because they were not united by 
faith with those who listen. In other words, let's just sum this up in layman's terms. Because they did not believe the way that I believe. I heard the Word of God and it scared me. It made me want to be a man. It made me want to put away childish things. It made me want to follow the true God. The Word that I heard led to obedience. Now again, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about that I get it all right because I don't. But let me tell you something you'll see in my life. I'm in the fight, baby. I'm in the fight. I'm fighting this thing with all that I've got. I'm moving in a different direction. The good news came to us just like it did to them, but the message they heard, it didn't benefit them. So again, go back to verse 1. He says, Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So the first thing you've got to see in this is that the author is trying to tell you that the aim of all your life, everything you do, ought to be aimed toward one thing, the promise of entering His rest. Because the only other option you got is wilderness and wrath. We spend all of our life here focused on our desires and our ways and wanting to live our lives. And again, I'm not saying it's wrong to enjoy the creation of God. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to have a nice house and nice car and for you to enjoy. I'm saying it's wrong if you set all of your focus on the wilderness and you don't see the promise of God that there is a far better thing that I have prepared for those who love me and trust me and who will fight the good fight to enter the land. It's not easy. It's a fight. I'd be lying to you right now if I told you it was easy to be a Christian. No, it's not. There ain't nothing easy about it. It's easy for me to just keep doing what I'm doing, what I want to do, when I want to do it. That's what's easy. Listen, there's nothing I wanted more than to stay in the bed this morning. That alarm went off, or actually it wasn't even an alarm. I had a little two-year-old come in there beside of the bed going, going, D, 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 get up, D, get up. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, no, I don't want to get up. And I could have. I wasn't a pastor. Y'all talked about it too? Yeah, see? Even my associate, even, even my brother talked about it. And that's just one example. That's, just, that's such a small example of the fight. But the aim of all of your life is to enter God's rest. In other words, to be with Him, to behold His glory, to live in eternity in the land that God has promised you. And if you believe it, then there are going to be some battles you have to fight. There's going to be a path that you have to follow that is not an easy path. But do you believe that He will bring you through it? If you do, then you'll be like this. It says, for the good news that came to us, it came to them too. But the message they heard, it didn't benefit them because they weren't united by faith with those who listened. In other words, Joshua and Caleb, they listened. And they said, we are well able to do this because it ain't by my power. I know there's giants in the land. 
I know there's pain. I know there's suffering. I know there's things that we're going to have to fight. I know we might get cut going in. I know that, that, that there is danger in this thing. But one thing I know, God swore He's going to bring me into this land. So we are well able to go into this land. And by faith, they followed God. But then it says, For we who have believed entered that rest. As He has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter. The ones who did not believe, in other words, first thing, our aim of life is to enter God's rest. That ought to be your aim. When you get up in the morning, your goal ought to be, all right, I'm headed toward God's rest. I'm headed toward what He has prepared for me and that is my goal of all of my life. And then I need to understand that the only way that I'm going to enter it is for we who have what? Believe. The only way I'm going to enter it is to hear the Word of God, believe it, and follow it. And if I do that, I enter the rest. Not because of the works that I do, but because I believe makes me do the works that I do. I believe, and believe leads me to obedience. And then he goes on next. He says, They shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. What the author is trying to do here is this. He's trying to help you understand that he's not talking about the promised land of Israel now. For when God spoke this, he had already rested from his works. He, he has spoken somewhere elsewhere of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all His works. And again in this passage He says, or in other words, in a passage far past the wilderness in Israel, He says, they shall not enter my rest. And then we go into Hebrews 4 verse 6. He says, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. Those guys ain't going to enter it. It's done for them. They don't have a chance anymore. Their bodies fail in the wilderness. Today is not the day that they can hear the Word of God and not harden their heart. Their day's already gone. But yours is still here. Yours is still here right now. So since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of what? you got to get this. you got to get this. I know it's unbelief. But you got to look at your life right now and you got to ask yourself the question. Is the obedience of God evident in my life? Parents, your children better get this. Because just because they're under 20, they're not included in that. They know the difference between right and wrong, some of them. They know the difference between good and evil, some of them. They've already reached that age of accountability. This applies to them too. You're not going to get before God and go, well, God, I was a teenager. I, I, was, I was just living it up. I was just doing like I wanted to do. I was just a teenager. And God going to say, listen, you heard the same word that they heard. You could believe the same way that they could have believed. You know that, right? Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again He appoints a certain day saying this, Today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. I think this is from Psalm 
somewhere in the 90s, Psalm 90-something is where this comes from. But David was quoting after the wilderness journey, after they had already entered the promised land. And he says, listen guys, today, in other words, I'm not talking to them, I'm talking to you. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. So the next thing we see is to believe God. Remember, let's see the progression here. The first thing, your goal of life is to enter His rest, right? That's why we do what we do. We know that there is no lasting city here. We know that death comes to us all and that every bit of it is fading away. You live in a mansion today and you may be on the streets tomorrow. That's just the truth of it. And so we want to enter God's rest, but to enter God's rest, we got to trust God, we got to believe God, but to believe God, we must do what? If you what? You can't believe God if you don't hear His Word. I'm not just talking about just the John 3.16 Word. I'm talking about His Word. All through the wilderness, God was giving them His Word. He was directing them. He was giving them promises. And they were hearing His Word. And here's the problem. Today, most of us don't even want to hear His Word. Parents, 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 listen to me, please. Get your lazy butts up out of bed on Sunday morning and get your kids in Sunday school. I'm sorry. Oh, I am a mad preacher this morning. I don't mean to be. I don't want to be. Look, do you see me? Do you know why? It's by the grace of God that I am where I am today. But do you know why I understand the Word the way that I do? Because from the time I was able to understand, it was put in me. I know it. You know what breaks my heart more than anything? To walk by a Sunday school room and look in there and see a single kid sitting in there by their cell when I know there are kids all over this place. I'm not saying this to make you mad this morning. Please don't hear that. Please don't. What good does it do me to make you mad? You grown people. You can walk out of this place this morning and go, you know what, he's just a man and what does it matter what he thinks anyway? And you're right. It don't matter. I'm a nobody. I'm pleading with you on behalf of you and your children. I'm pleading with you to understand that don't be surprised. Listen, your kids are already going to be going to feel led to walk the wrong way when they get to a certain age anyway. It's their nature. You know that, right? Only thing you're doing is helping it when you don't at least try to instill God in them as they grow. You can't believe God if you don't what? You've got to hear His voice. You've got to know His Word. There was a, I can take you back to the moment in my life that God took all the Word that He instilled in me. I can take you back to the times that I can, I hated to go to church. I want to go to church. I want to go to youth class, Ronnie Lee. I don't like youth class. Youth leaders mean to me. I was back in there. I was there. I can remember those days and now I can take you back to the time in my life when God tied it all together. I can take you back to the day. To the day that my eyes literally went, oh my goodness. I get it. 
And I picked His Word up for myself. For myself. I was a grown man, but I had already clocked out of work. I had shut the plant down. It was time for me to go home. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I shut it down and I picked my Bible up and I sit down behind the desk and I just started reading. And I couldn't quit because everything that come out of this Word was living and active and it just, God was speaking. If you ain't never been there, I can't tell you how that is, but I can promise you, you can get there. I didn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't even read. I'd never read a book before in my life except one, Justin and the Best Biscuits in the World. It was about uh, 40 pages long and the words were about that big. Literally. That's the only book I'd ever read in my life all the way through high school. I'd never read a book. Somehow I just got through it without it. I was in reading comprehension classes in special education classes until I was in the 8th grade. 8th grade. Everybody else is going to other classes and I'm going to the special education classes. And I ain't got nothing against special ed. Don't hear me saying that. I'm just saying that for many years I questioned why in the world am I going to a special ed class? Today, I can tell you. Today, there probably ain't too many people other than the words. There ain't too many people that's going to read better than I'm going to read. God trained me up. He taught me. He was instilling all of this in me from the time I was born. But listen to me, parents. You can't believe God's Word and your children can't believe God's Word unless you do what? You have to hear His voice. So if you hear His voice, notice the word. first word, if. Everybody ain't hearing it. But if you hear His voice, then do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for His people, or for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from His. In other words, you ain't working for yourself anymore. You're not just living for you anymore. You see a bigger purpose and a bigger picture. There's nothing that blesses my heart more now than just be able to give, 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 give. I'm just looking for opportunities. I was in here last night. You can ask Nick. I was in here last night. Brother, please let me give. Please, please let me, let, let me do something. And again, this ain't no preaching sermon. Listen, we're a good church. We're well off. <laughs> we're blessed by God. All right? I ain't got to sit in here and beg you for your money. We're sitting high on the hog and ready to start building something. Um, I mean, we're, we're doing great. So don't hear this message coming out saying, I want you to give, give, give. I'm telling you, I've ceased from my works. I still enjoy His creation. God still blesses me. But as much as comes in, I'm just sitting here going. And I know my wife is a giver too, but she's a money manager. She's a money manager. She's she got to keep up with every penny. So I'm trying to hide sometimes what I'm giving. I'm trying to hide sometimes what I'm doing. I'm trying not to let her know that I'm doing this, even though she's a giver too, just like I am. But again, the point is that I'm not just all about me anymore. I'm not just concerned about getting mine and about doing what I want. I got a bigger picture. I got a bigger purpose. God blesses. He does. But I'm focused on God's works, not my works. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from His works as God did from His 
Let us therefore what? Let us therefore strive. In other words, it's not easy. There are times that I don't want to do what God says do. There are times that I hear the Word of God and say, God, that ain't for me. I mean, let me just give you one of the oldest examples in the book. There are times that God says, forgive your enemies. And I say, God, I don't want to forgive my enemy. I want to take him down. <laughs> y'all know, y'all felt that, didn't you? I don't want to forgive my enemy. I want to take him down. Grit your teeth when you think that way. That's what I want. I want to take him down. And there are times that I come very close and have even in the past of looking back at God going, God, you know what? I know what your word says, but guess what? This is what I want to do. This is the path I'm going. So here's what God tells me. Let us therefore strive. Strive, not just work hard, not just be better, not just try to be more moral. Let us therefore strive. In other words, wrestle to enter that rest. Make sure that we are striving to hear the Word of God. You've got to go back to what He said. If you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. The way you strive is you pay, you strive to hear the Word of God. You say, God, I want to hear what you have to say. I know it disagrees with me. I know it is contrary to who I am, but I want to hear what you have to say because I know that's the way I enter your rest. So let us therefore strive to enter that rest and not only strive to hear the Word, but God, help me to believe it. Ronnie's um, niece, Cassie, I think is her name. She's got a tattoo on her arm, one of the most beautiful tattoos I've ever seen. And I don't have a tattoo. Don't plan on getting one. <laughs> but um, this tattoo says, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. It goes back to the story of the demon-possessed, uh, the father that had a demon-possessed child and, and all the disciples had prayed and they had tried to deliver this child from a demon and they couldn't do it. And Jesus steps up on the scene and the man comes running to him. He says, can you help me please? My son, he, he, he has been like this for so long. I can't stand to see him like this. If you can do anything, please help him. And Jesus said, if you can believe, I can do anything. And the man looked back at Jesus and I can feel his heart when he looks back at him. He looks back at Jesus and he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many times in your life have you heard the Word of God spoken to you and you knew that it was right for you to go this way or to do this or be obedient in this and to fight this giant even though it looks too big for you, to forgive this enemy, to turn the other cheek? To, to, to How many times have you heard the Word of God of following Jesus Christ and you looked at this thing and you went, Lord, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. That's my constant daily, my daily routine. That's why I love that tattoo so much. And that's the reason why it's probably one of the only tattoos that I would say is a good thing. I don't know. There are other tattoos that I'm sure are good, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not trying to preach that this morning. But I love that. That statement of faith. Lord, I believe. But please help my unbelief. Please help me to believe You in such a way that I follow You with all my heart. Please help me with my doubts. Please help me with my insecurities and just keep reminding me who you are. Let us therefore strive. And that's what I believe it means when he says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. And I don't even know what time it is. It don't matter. Good. 
<clears throat> Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that, listen carefully guys, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Everybody look at me please. Everybody. Put your phones down. Last week there were 25 people in here on Wi-Fi, Facebook and everything else while I was preaching. That's why we've locked you out if you can't get in it to, to it today. That's right. That's right. Notice the tablet works today and I ain't had to ask Nathan to do it. I kick all y'all off. So everybody put your phones down for a minute because you ain't on Wi-Fi, you're using up your data. And look at me. You are not exempt. I am not exempt. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not eat with you, drink with you, listen to your teaching? Did we not heal the sick, raise the dead, and do many great works in your name? Did we not do that? Jesus says, I looked back at him and said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Yeah, you sit under my teaching. Yeah, you heard my voice. Yeah, you did a whole lot of things. But you know the difference was? You were in disobedience still. You refused to believe my word. You refused to follow my word. You were a worker of iniquity. Therefore, depart from me because I never knew you. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience because of unbelief. If you believe God, you will follow God. If you think it's just a story you're hearing or just a place you're supposed to be, you'll walk out that door and nothing will change and you'll be exactly the same. And you will fall according to the same example of disobedience. But then we have hope because the very next Scripture, what does it say? For let us strive to enter unless you fall by the same example of disobedience. For the Word of God. Remember, the aim is to enter His rest. But you can't enter it unless you believe God. And you can't believe God unless you hear His voice. So here's what the author says is the remedy. The Word of God, it's living. It's active. And it'll speak to you. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit. It pierces to the division of the joints and the marrow. And it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Here's what He's trying to say to you this morning. Don't get lost in the forest for the trees. Don't try to figure out joints and marrow and, and all this other stuff. I want you to understand there's one thing He's trying to get across to you. The Word of God cuts deep. Deep. There's not a place in you that it cannot reach. There's not a place in you that it can't turn to obedience unto God. But you can't do it unless you hear the Word of God. 
He says it discerns the thoughts. It discerns the intentions of the heart. And look at this. And no creature is hidden from His sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. You know, I told those people I was running with because they knew I was a pastor, so every time they'd slip up, I mean, it was pretty regular, every time they'd slip up, they'd look at me and, and, and they'd say, Brother, forgive me, I'm so sorry about that. And my response back to them was always, Brothers, you, you're not accountable to me. <laughs> you don't have to give an account to me. You say whatever you want to say. You do whatever you want to do in front of me. If you want to cuss like a sailor in front of me, cuss like a sailor. If you want to drink yourself silly so that you can't stand up and I have to walk you back to your house, you're not accountable to me. You don't have to worry about that. But remember this, no creature is hidden from His sight. But all are naked and exposed. Listen, you may fool me. You may fool Nick, you may fool Ronnie. <laughs> you, can fool, you can fool everybody in this room. But there's one person you won't fool. No creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And you will not enter His rest if you don't believe God. And you will not believe God if you do not hear His Word. And if you do not hear His Word, it won't be living and active in your life. And it won't discern your thoughts and your intents. And it won't guide you in obedience. And you'll just keep walking your path. And one day you will stand before God. And one day He will look at you and He'll say, Who are you? Who are you? Oh, oh now, now wait a minute God. I sit in your church services. I went at least twice a month. I even came to a Wednesday night prayer meeting every now and then. And God said, listen, I had people raising dead. I had people healing sick. How many, how many sick people did you heal? How many dead people did you raise lately? Anybody? Nobody? And I looked at them and said, depart from me. I never knew you because you were a worker of iniquity. So I'm talking to everybody. Parents and children alike. Get your lazy butts up and come learn the Word of God so that you can believe and so that you can enter the rest of God by following Him in obedience. But you won't enter if you don't hear it. Y'all would stand this morning. <clears throat> I still had another page to go. Oh, two pages. You got to go. I don't know what God spoke to you this morning. I really don't. Whatever it was, listen to Him. The Word of God is living and the Word of God is active. I'm not telling you you've got to be perfect this morning. My, my question to you is very simple. Are you in the fight? Are you trying to hear His Word? 
Are, are, are you trying to follow Him in obedience because you know that you believe what He says? If you can't answer any of those questions this morning, I'm telling you this morning, today is the day for you to come and say, God, I confess my sin, I repent, I'm turning to you in full obedience. If that's you today, I invite you to come. Whatever you need, as we sing, just come. Don't wait on music. Power Don't worry about it. In the name of Jesus.